Welcome back, everybody. Another episode of Pollinate here at Studio B, Wilson's Orchard, on a uh, rather unusually nice November, whatever it is, 20th something. Um, awfully, awfully nice weather for this time of year, and uh, we are delighted and grateful to have Barry Greenberg with us, um, chef uh, and a big part of the university's dining program over there. And I'll let you say more about that. Um, but yeah, we are super happy to have you here, Barry. And uh, uh, why don't you tell everybody who you are and what you do and why you do it? Sure. Um, let's see. I am the executive chef for university dining. We run the food service operations on campus, just about all the operations with the exception of a few things. We don't um, provide food to the hospital and uh, we don't work with the athletics department except for some catering events. Uh, so all the student dining, all the retail dining on campus, all of the catering on campus we do. And it's, uh, it's a big department, as you can imagine. Lots of uh, uh, chefs, lots of food service professionals, lots of student employees, Lots of managers, uh, everybody working together to provide the best experience for our students that uh, dine with us on campus. And how long have you been doing that at the University of Paul, Ohio? I've been on campus since um, 92. 92. So, yeah, I just November 2nd, 92 was my first day and uh, just celebrated the start of my 29th year. Wow. So yeah. Nice. I started when I was 10 years old. <laughs> yeah, because you're only 27 now, right? <laughs> Yeah. Uh, yeah. So in that time, like talk a little bit, cause it seems to me that while I never went to a big university, it seems like the food's a whole lot better than it used to be. Is it? Am I wrong? Uh, I think you're right. Um, I went to, um, a pretty well-known culinary school on the East coast. I was born and raised in Connecticut, went to school in Rhode Island. And, um, even at the culinary school that I went to, the food we serve in what is uh, pretty standard around um, our industry is it's amazing. The food that the students get to dine on. Uh, I, I like to explain it. it. It looks like a Las Vegas buffet at some of our marketplaces. It's multiple, what we call platforms, different stations of different types of food being served. Um, our three large, um, uh, dining outlets are all you care to eat so students can walk through and uh, choose whatever they like um, when it isn't COVID. Um, we're offering a whole lot more. But, uh, you know, standard stuff as well as some pretty out there stuff uh, for students in our dem our demographic of, you know, 18 to 21 years old, which is our like our sweet spot. Um, everything from uh, pizza and burgers and chicken tenders and mac and cheese, as you would expect. Uh, but things like uh, Brazilian um, steaks and a whole station around um, foods from Brazil and different featured um, cuisines from around the world. We do a lot of barbecue, uh, different regional barbecues. Um, yeah, so it's, it's great. Our, our chefs get to do a lot of different things. So I know in, the, in in general, I know that like the Iowa City School District um, still does a lot of their own cooking and stuff, but it seems like on the 
uh, sort of elementary level and high school level, a lot of that stuff is pretty much like off the truck and warmed up and served to students. But how, how does it work at the university? Like how much do you have to prepare yourselves and how much is yeah. pretty much ready to go? That's a, that's a good question. Uh, everything that is served in the marketplaces are um, pretty much prepared in-house. We use some products that are known as speed scratch so like we might um we might mix something together and bake it off as opposed to assembling all the ingredients mixing it together and baking it off uh, but a lot of this stuff we're pretty fortunate our food service director and our department supports myself and our chefs we're pretty culinary focused we want to be able to serve things as authentic as we possibly can uh, when it's appropriate so there's a lot of scratch stuff going on our bakery does um, just a tremendous amount of scratch cookies, which is unusual for our volume. Um, you know, we scale stuff out, we mix it, we scoop it, we bake it, and we send it out. Um, our, our bakery also makes uh, scratch pizza crust. We do some uh, breakfast breads, some breakfast pastries, and those are sent all around campus from a sort of like a um, hub and spoke situation like a commissary style kitchen where we um, produce things centrally and we have trucks and drivers that deliver the the products throughout campus okay so it's not that necessarily every cafeteria has does everything uh, but right yeah. they, they don't do everything but the hot food and savory stuff uh, at the three marketplaces are done on site on site. Yeah. So what's the spokes beyond that or where do the, where does stuff go beyond that? We have, um, last count, I think it was 13 different retail locations around campus, three different convenience stores. And then, um, maybe some of the more popular ones are, um, in the main library. There's, uh, uh, there's a cafe there. (laughs) There's one in the Papa John business school. There's one at the dental school. Uh, so maybe some of the folks that are listening in are familiar with those. Those are the big ones. And then some in different academic locations around campus as well, varying sizes. One at the Wellness Center, um, more of a like a juice bar kind of a uh, setup. So it varies from traditional to, you know, just like a wheatgrass smoothie. All right. So and, and so there's a lot of students that are working at these places, I take it. Is that part of their education per se? Or I mean, is it just a work study job or do they actually, I mean, is there's no culinary program at the University of Iowa, right? That's correct. There is not. Um, the culinary and hospitality programs are offered at our friends down the road at Iowa State. Mm-hmm. Uh, we They're not friends. <laughs> Some of them are. Okay. <laughs> They're not all bad. Someone has to go to school there. Well, I guess that's right. <laughs> Otherwise, we'd be overwhelmed. <laughs> this is the part that you're cutting out, right? <laughs> um, yeah, so there is no formal culinary program on campus, but a lot of our students are um, into cooking, uh, interested in it. Uh, a lot of our students are looking for a job that works well with their Um, with their academic lifestyle, you know, uh, we're very flexible on hours. We are open at all sorts of hours during the day. If uh, a student were to walk into any one of our locations, um, 
we would be very happy to provide them with whatever hours they would like to work. Uh, so yeah, we're pretty flexible. Students make up, um, gosh, I don't know the exact percentage, but the majority of our service staff that work in the marketplaces, um, the majority of our kitchen staff are students, and they're all supervised by either full-time or uh, professional chefs. And speaking of, so, I mean, I know sort of that's the day job, Barry Greenberg, right? But yeah. on the other side of the of the uh, curtain is Barry Greenberg that I know has been pretty successful in cooking competitions around the states. And uh, yeah. tell us a little bit about that, Barry. Okay. Um, well, um, I've started cooking uh, competitively um I don't know, I guess a few years after I came to the University of Iowa, maybe 10 years or so. And it started off with just entering uh, some recipe contests and I was successful. And then that kind of led to some other live cooking event competitions that uh, I have participated in and been successful in as well. So yeah, I've been uh, pretty lucky. Uh, I've been... um, uh, happy with the results. You know, it's always nice when someone wants to pay you to do something that you enjoy. I use the, um, opportunity to, um, just be creative. It's just another opportunity for me to, uh, maybe use, um, a manufacturer's product that is sponsoring, say, uh, a competition, mm-hmm. um, maybe use their product in uh, a variety of different ways. And fortunately, um, within my work, I can test recipes. I can play with the product. I can serve it to people, see what the results are and, um, either enter it or not enter it depending on how things go. But yeah, it's been, it's been fun. Uh, most recently, um, a couple of years ago, I won a, a competition with uh, a company called miners, which is, a um, a brand of soup bases. They make different flavorings for soups and, uh, so I won this competition, and um, the prize was a trip for two to uh, to Paris. To, God damn! Yeah, it was a couple of years ago. Uh, Lisa and I went, and uh, just a trip of a lifetime. We were actually the trip was to Lyon, but we uh, built some extra time into it, and uh, we went to see this. Um, um, it's sort of like the culinary Olympics, uh, called the Bocuse d'Or, which is like this giant. Uh, it's a spectacle in Europe. People just really get into uh, cooking competitions, and there's uh, 25, I think, or 26 two-person teams that train for two years to get ready for this competition. And we got to watch this competition for a couple of days, and um, yeah, people are going crazy. Like they got the cowbells going, and people are have these all rooting sections with flags, and they're, they're really into it. So it was fun to see. Wowza. Never heard of that. Well, and, yeah. I'll have to send so, you uh, a, a link to some of the videos. It's pretty incredible. That would be welcome. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Huh. So uh, these are from all over Europe. People come or is it just a France? Uh, no, all over the world. There was a team from the United States that qualified to to be there. And um, yeah, all over, all four corners of the globe, of the globe are, are there. Oh, damn. Yeah. It's pretty cool. So... Um, I mean, one of the things that, outside of the fact that you and your wife have been great customers, your daughter's worked here, um, but 
you know, we've been kind of tied together in a lot of ways because the University of Iowa, I think, is exceptional in that they really do a fair bit of procurement from local farmers. And um, when I first heard that you guys would do that, I have to say I was pretty surprised just because I know local food is probably going to cost more, probably take more prep time and stuff like that. And in an industry that seems often focused very much on, you know, the bottom line and efficiency, this would seem to run counter to those trends. But how, how do you guys make that work? I mean, what's what's in it for you guys in terms of local? Uh, quite honestly, it's quality product mm-hmm. is is the major um, uh, driving point for us. Yeah, we want to be able to tell the story that we're buying apples from this crazy guy up the road. You know, <laughs> that's great. It's a great story. We love it. But it's a better product to go along with that story. Um, the the apples weren't sitting in a cooler for years, you know, last year's harvest. Mm-hmm. You know, it's fresh. They were just picked and we're serving it right to you today. And that kind of goes along with every decision about local product that we make. Um, sometimes we pay a little bit more for it. Uh, sometimes we have to add some prep to it. Sometimes it's more difficult to hold on to the product, mm. but majority of the time, uh, because it's fresher, it's going to last longer. It's going to taste better. It's going to look better. And we get to tell that story, which mm. is important to us. Um, like I told you earlier, we're pretty culinary focused and, um, m- my cooking philosophy is, you know, get the best ingredients that you can and then get out of the way, let them do the talking, you know, like whether it's an apple or it's fresh greens from, uh, another vendor that we work with, or it's maple syrup from Northeast Iowa, you know, get the best you can and use it when it's applicable and you can afford to put it into a situation where it's going to work. And then, um, you know, just enjoy it and try to try to do as little as possible. So what sort of issues have you run into in terms of, cause I think this is one of the things that, uh, a lot of local farmers can't get past is is sort of the same way that it surprised me that you guys would be interested. A lot of people just kind of don't even think about the university as a potential place, a potential buyer for their products because they think, you know, the barriers are too high either on volume or on price or mm-hmm. whatever. Um, what, what sort of, from your perspective, what's the sort of things that have limited the num the amount of local stuff is it supply or price or well you know um i think one of the biggest barriers is the fact that we live in you know um northeast iowa central iowa where our students aren't here to enjoy that summer bounty of mm. product when volume is really high our inventory of students is very low so you know trying to trying to match that up is is a big thing uh, some vendors um, are reluctant to come and work with us because um, they they don't think that they can match a product with our needs, and it feels like we're uh, constantly reaching out. So anyone that any vendor, any farmer, any producer of a product, uh, if they're aggressive and they want us to see the product, um, we're going to use the product. You know, especially if it's a good product. Um, um, it has to it has to fit it has to be within reason price wise um 
the supply is um, difficult. You know, we do a pretty good job of letting our suppliers know uh, what our forecast will be. You know, we can, we have students on campus 16 weeks at a time, once in the fall and once in the spring semester. Uh, we've been doing this a while and we have support systems, whether it's a, you know, computer or it's just by gut knowing this is going to be really popular. Uh, we can project out how many servings of, you know, maybe it's Jake's tofu from mm. old capital. Um, how much of that we will use and we can work together with the vendor to make sure that product is ready and available to us uh, when it's time, you know, when we need it. So the, the good vendors um, realize that, and maybe it's just one item, one, just one skew that they're trying to get into our operation uh, and they run with that. And that's where it starts. Hmm. So um, yeah, we're pretty easy to get along with if it's a good product and it's something that we know that our students will like. Um, we want to, we want to work with you. Yeah. I mean, that's been my experience really. It's been, uh, refreshing just how easy and seamless it's been. Um, it's not, you know, you don't have to fill out. I mean, getting paid is another question. I right. mean, there, the, you know, it, it, there's a bureaucracy around that, but, but the ordering system and all of that stuff, just, it's seamless. I mean, it, it's just so easy. It's casual, you know, it, yeah. it, it doesn't strike your, it's, uh, it's very user-friendly. Yeah. Um, and that piece about payment is uh, getting better and better. You know, as long as um, w there's like a list of 10 commandments that yeah. you need to follow. And if you follow them, you're going to get paid. I think it's every 16 or 18 days as long as invoices are in and everything meets uh, the requirements that we need to check off. There's going to be a check waiting for the yeah, vendor. and I to be fair, I mean, it, it, it was more us learning to work within you guys' system. Yeah. Um, but you know, really that was the exception that, and, and it's not like we didn't get paid. We always got paid. It's just yeah. sometimes it took seemingly forever. But, um, once we learned the ropes and all about POs and, and the, you know, how the, you had to do this for that guy and that, yeah, right. it all works now. Um, so t tell me about students. So like, um, is there demand from students like students saying, Hey, we really want local stuff or, um, are the millennials that we keep hearing about just like indifferent to the, you know, what served? I mean, I, I assume everybody loves the fact that they can get pizza and Brazilian food, you know, yeah. and that there's a diversity of offerings and stuff. But what's the demand like for, you know, fresh or local or both? I yeah, guess. That, um, that number kind of fluctuates with each class. It seems mm. like there have been classes where, they're very vocal. Maybe there's uh, a lot of folks that have uh, dietary issues and they're very concerned about the food that uh, they're eating. Um, this fall semester, we're not hearing as much um, um, because there are other things on our plate, so to speak, you know, with uh, just keeping everybody safe and healthy, um, making sure that we're providing a safe environment for our students to come get food and and uh and leave but to answer your question it, it varies it seems like there are years where um it's it's a hot topic where where students are concerned about um uh, different dietary things and local products uh and then there are times when uh we don't hear a peep for a while hmm. so um this year 
we just had our, we have an advisory committee and, um, yeah, none of that kind of stuff was voiced, um, because they're just a little bit, um, preoccupied, um, preoccupied. <laughs> yeah, going home for Thanksgiving and Good. all those other things. But yeah, there's, there's a lot of other things going on right now. So what, what have you guys had to do to sort of keep people safe in this crazy COVID times? Yeah. As of right now, we, we are not allowing students to dine in inside the dining rooms. So mm-hmm. that's been kind of, you know, that's, that's a hard one uh, for students. So they pick it up and take it back to their dorms. Yeah. There's a few places in the buildings where they can eat uh, in small groups. Uh, they're not really supposed to, but um, we see them either in a lobby um, uh, catching a meal together. Um, but our, we're using a, a software app so students can order our food on their phone and pick it up at a, a window. Um, or we have an express line that goes through the marketplaces normally where students could go travel back and forth throughout the marketplace. Now it's just one sort of snaking line through the marketplace, grab whatever you want. Mm. And then it funnels you through the exit on the way out. Um, so those are the two methods that we're using right now. So I would assume the number of students is lower right now and the volume of food is lower. Is it? Uh, yeah, it is. Our menu offerings are a little bit lower. Uh, volume of different foods are lower. Um, just the dense, the de-densification on campus. Um, um, before we came back for a fall semester, that number was lower. So everything is lower. Um, but it's harder to serve, you know, because we are serving everything to the student and the guest um, as opposed to self-service. So sure. it just takes more people, more time mm-hmm. and a lot of disposable to go boxes, yeah. which is, yeah, that's one of the downsides. Of, it is a hassle yeah. and it's uh, not very sustainable. No, yeah. no. And so, uh, and the university um, in, uh, in, in providing these meals and, and uh, is there, pushback or i mean i i just know from like uh working we work a fair bit with hy v and i know for hy v the whole idea of local is um i don't want to say that it it's as much part of their marketing program as it is you know a service to their customers but mm-hmm. is there push from above either yay or or either for or against sort of promoting local food and if so you know do you guys actually promote what you do with local stuff to the students sure we do yeah um uh, we're all over social media with uh special events that are going on uh scaled back a little bit because of covid but yeah we promote um special events we promote local ingredients we promote all of that kind of stuff um to get back to your previous question we don't get a lot of participation like from our senior uh, administrators at the university um um, you know that's probably a good thing because they trust us to be running the food service operation they do love it when we use local um you know i get to uh, um provide some meals over at the president's house uh when when there are events on campus and try to uh, use local products as much as possible there because it's a great 
talking point for uh, for catering events, for events at the president's house and uh, and events like that, you know. So that's really our niche to feature local products is through catering because it can show up on a menu so easily. We can talk to the organizer. Maybe they have a little bit more flexibility with their with their budget in the way to uh, reflect the fact that we're using a great product. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, we talked a little bit earlier about how things have changed in the last 20 odd years that you've been working at this. Um, and now there's a great diversity that, that your students and clients have a, a access to of, of different foods and stuff. Where do you think that's all going? I mean, where do you think five, 10 years from now, is it going to look a lot the same or how, how is it changing and how would you expect it to change? Yeah, that's a tough question right now, uh, given the state of the way we're needing to provide service. Um, if COVID weren't in play, uh, I would see us still progressing toward um, more sustainable, more local, uh, and more customizable. Our students mm-hmm. all were raised going to restaurants as opposed to when when I went to college, you know, going to a restaurant was, it was an occasion. Mm-hmm. Um, our students are much more food savvy than, uh, you know, one or two generations removed. Um, so they know, they know what good food looks like. They know what, um, uh, good food is supposed to taste like. And, uh, I think that's only going to increase. I think their expectations will continue to grow. And, um, uh, it's exciting to think that we're going to be able to provide that because we're food focused as well. Yeah, so I mean, it, it that's interesting. So basically, students themselves, I mean, as Americans, I guess we're eating something over 50% of our meals out. Mm-hmm. Um, and so you would expect this generation to be pretty used to eating out. And right. like you said, that puts them in contact with, with different types of food and they come to appreciate it. At the same time, it seems like just walking around, there's also a much greater diversity of students you know we have a lot more chinese we have a lot more people from india south south asia uh, southeast asia um, you know there's a lot more diversity in the student body right so i would assume that do you you find that that creates a different demand for you guys uh sure it does and when we try to uh, feature items from different cultures uh, uh, we want to be as authentic as we can um, and that's not easy because yep. we don't want to come across as, um, I don't patronizing, I guess, if mm-hmm. you're trying to do something and it falls short. Um, I, I know myself and our chefs probably wouldn't be proud of a, an effort like that. So we do our best to do our research and we reach out to students. Um, the, they're, they are very much a small percentage of the whole. Uh, but they're very vocal. Uh, mm. So uh, we try to do the best we can um, when when there are concerns um, to make sure it's as authentic as possible. I mean, I see, especially with the Chinese population here, um, it just seems like since that population has grown in the student body, it has the, the, the kind of interesting fallout of that is we now have Chinese restaurants that actually taste like 
yeah. Chinese food. You know, it's not right. American Chinese, Chinese, but there's yeah. real Sichuan food you can buy now yeah. in, in the city of Iowa City. Right. Um, you know, that's a really interesting, I think, side effect of yeah. that diversification. It, it is amazing to see uh, the amount of uh, diversity in the in the new restaurants, like even in the past five years yeah. uh, in Iowa City. You're right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, uh, anything else you want to talk about with you or your job? And uh, no, I just uh, want to tell you how great this place is. You know, <laughs> I um, uh, I've watched since you've taken over, and um, you know, I've I've, I've known Chug for a long time, uh, and and uh, you know, raised our kids on the hayride out here, uh, as I'm sure every other Iowa City kid. As part of their growing up, and uh, just so uh, enamored with everything you've put into this place to uh, keep it not only alive but thriving and uh, beautiful. So, thanks for keeping it going. No, I mean it's a. It, it, to be honest, this this property holds a, a special place in a lot of people's hearts. Yeah. Partly, it's a beautiful farm. You know, I mean, it, yeah. it just is. It's a, you know, people don't think of Iowa like this. This, a lot of people say this looks like a French vineyard or something, yeah. you know. I mean, it's a, it, it's a valley farm with a nice big creek going through the middle of it. Yeah. But partly, it's what you said. You know, it's people that came out as kids and forded the creek with chug wilson at the tractor and mm -hmm. heard about the alligators in the creek and all that kind of stuff and now they're coming out with their kids right. or i mean in, in some cases it's even been three generations of people awesome. that that have been coming out here and and that you know endears people it, it's a it's a special piece of property even more i mean some of the original owners of this going back to the early part of the 1900s have stopped in their their uh, uh, descendants and told me about how uh, their uncle or grandfather used to talk about people coming from outside of Iowa or from Iowa City out here because there was a big spring big bubbling spring here oh, really? and people would come out they would fish in these ponds they'd have a picnic and they would get the spring water out here wow and then of course the dingleberries across the road were the moonshiners of the area so that was another <laughs> incentive to come out but yeah i mean i think this is a, a special piece of property with quite a bit of history to it and we yeah. feel privileged to to be caretakers of it for a, yeah. a that, generation or two that poor tractor every time i would hit that creek it would stall out i know it's just like pathetic yeah and we have it doesn't like water i guess <laughs> it doesn't like water afraid of the <laughs> i don't know <laughs> yeah. yeah good times well thanks for uh, having me this well thank you for coming barry sure. uh stay well you yeah. too you too thanks. All right. and thanks everybody for tuning in uh hope you come back see us again or listen to us again and uh yeah you get a chance come on out stretch your legs get some fresh air in your lungs and uh eat something that's you probably should <laughs> have a good one